Ladies and gentlemen, if you know me, you know that I love martial arts. It's one of my top passions in life. And my buddy TJ has a fantastic clothing company called Detroit Boxing Company. All their gear, all their t-shirts, their hoodies, their hats, everything is super, super comfy. And flip side of the coin, I also feel like I could throw a jab cross hook way better when I wear one of those shirts. I don't know what's going on and the magic that they put in that shirt. Small disclaimer that the shirts do not give you any additive power when you are wearing the shirt. Please be informed that this is just a simple t-shirt made of cotton and other materials. There is no magic effects. And I swear that that does something to my combinations. TJ is a fantastic human being and he's putting out a lot of great product. If you want to scoop yourself up a shirt, a hoodie, make sure you check them out. Detroit Boxing Company com use the code word Corycast at the checkout to save yourself some additional coin. That's right, DetroitBoxingCompany.com, code word Corycast, all one word to save yourself a little moolah. As we go into the new year, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, we're over fifty episodes of the Corycast, and I never thought, honestly, we'd get the episode past 50 it's just so wild to me and I want to thank you because without you listening or watching on YouTube this would be very impossible for me to do I get an extreme amount of joy and pleasure talking to different people from all aspects of my life learning more about them and being able to share those stories with you so if you want to support the podcast remember you could always subscribe rate it put a review out there share a piece of the podcast that you like. Just make sure you use the hashtag CoreyCast and uh, share it with a friend. It's really the only way that I can grow this podcast. So thank you guys so much for your support in 2021. And I'm so excited to give you more episodes in 2022 with different people, different careers, different backgrounds, different scopes of hobbies. I'm excited for 2022. And I'll see you next year. Okay. Buckle up for this podcast because I learned so much about the CNY Food Bank from Lynn. Now, you know that the CNY Food Bank has been a huge support of the Dungeons & Donations charity stream, and we felt like it was a good idea to invite her on the podcast to really share uh, what the CNY Food Bank does and just how important it is to Central New York. When we did the the D&D stream the very first time, they invited Mike, Dennis, and I to take a tour of the facilities, and they were going to show us show us around. And I felt this like crazy mixture of emotions. I went from like impressed because they're just so efficient to kind of like sad because I didn't realize how many people in Central New York and the surrounding counties were food insecure. I felt sad from that. I felt happy that. Somebody like Lynn and the amazing people at the food bank were there to provide such a fantastic service to the people that were in need. So this whole entire podcast and the trip to the facility was very uh, enlightening and eye-opening for me. There is a lot more people in your life who are probably food insecure that you might not even know. So to have people in central New York pushing the food out to where it needs to go and being able to run that entire operation makes you feel really nice that there's good people in charge of something like that. I'm very fortunate that in my life I never had to be in a position where we were wondering where our next food is, but there's a lot of people that 
rely on that for their for their next meal. And I and I thank Lynn and everybody that works at the food bank for providing such a fantastic service. And you're going to learn more about them in this episode. So without any further ado, here is Lynn from the CNY Food Bank. So my name is Lynn High, and I'm the Chief Development Officer at Food Bank of Central New York. And I have the privilege to lead a team in all of the fundraising efforts for the food bank, but we also, you know, plan events, uh, manage volunteers, do marketing communications, public relations, uh, and write grants, uh, all in support of all of the work that the food bank does. That's cool. And how much goes into planning one of those events? You have a team of like, like two people, like you and one other person, or is it like five? No, well, we have a team. There's seven of us on the entire team, but uh, the person that plans the events, I mean, she does really the lion's share of the work. It's one person um, that that really takes care of most of the nuts and bolts, and I help her a little bit along the way, and then we have another staff member that helps her a little bit along the way as well, but um, it's really that one person, Heidi, on my team that that really just takes the events and runs with them. And is it like a yearly events or is it do you guys just have like random ideas that pop up? You guys are like, oh, let's just see what happens. No, actually. So every April, not in 2020 or 2021, but in every other April, um, we have had an event called Saber Syracuse. And uh, it's been going on for more than 20 years and it is a food and beverage tasting event that we have. It's kind of, it, people have described it to me after they've come. They said, this is the best cocktail party I've ever been to. <laughs> and it's local restaurants and wineries and breweries um, showing some of their finest foods and drinks uh, and giving out f- some of their finest foods and drinks to the people that are coming to support the food bank. Um, so we're, fingers crossed, it's happening in 2022. Uh, it'll be at the downtown Marriott, the Syracuse Hotel Syracuse, the old former Hotel Syracuse, the Marriott downtown Syracuse. Um, and we also have a golf tournament that happens every year in July. Wow. And we ha- uh, hold that out at Camillus uh, Golf Club. Um, and that golf tournament has been going on for almost 20 years as well. And um, then there's several, and Heidi on the team, she really, those are her two main focus throughout the year. And then there are just dozens of little events that pop up throughout the year. Um, right. Some happen all the time, uh, you know, every year and some, you know, just, it's the first time ever that it's ever happened. Like this past um, September, we had a group, the independent potters association have their cups for a cause benefit the food bank. So they had um, a couple dozen independent potters that created mugs and cups and bowls that all were donated oh. to the food bank and people could purchase them for a, well, a $75 gift to the food bank meant that you got these beautiful handmade cups. That's cool. Um, yeah. So they did that. They've been doing this event for several years, but they chose the food bank as the beneficiary um, specifically in our cadence wish break box program, which is a program that helps uh, provide food to children, school age children when they're, 
there are breaks in school, you know, like February break and April break. Is when those events go on, is that how you raise money is by like selling the tickets or selling like the opportunity to get one of these things? Is that where the money comes from? Yes. For, for our Saber Syracuse and our golf open, which are the ones that like we plan and all the details for, we sell sponsorship for those events. And then we, you know, sell tickets for Saber Syracuse. We sell foursomes um, for the golf open. Um, you know, and then at the golf open, there's, you know, 50, 50 and yeah. skins and mulligans and all that kind of stuff um, that help raise money for Saber Syracuse. It's the sponsorship, the ticket sales. And then we have a silent auction during the event that helps raise money as well. And then the other events that that come up throughout the year, um, you know, it's a lot of the work. The bulk of the work is done by the organizing group. Um, and then sometimes it's just us helping to promote a, an event or be at an event um, that we're going to benefit from. And then we get a nice donation from all of these groups that spend their time and mon- mom, energy and their money yeah, uh, right. to support our work. Yeah, right, right. And I mean, what is such a good cause? I mean, that was like when we were <clears throat> trying to decide the first time that we did, we just felt like the first Dungeon Dragon stream that we did, like what better to give back to the community and something like the food bank, because I, I, I told you the first time that Dennis, Mike and I met you, it was just, I was very ignorant because I was very fortunate that growing up, we've always had food on the table. We didn't have to think about something like that. And you guys provided, I think you had said earlier, it was like a kid's program too. Yes. Right. Yes. So like I, we didn't need to take advantage of something like that. Right. You know? And it's one, it's one of those things, food insecurity and hunger, um, is one of those things that it's not very evident. I mean, we've all seen the the homeless person um, that's standing on the corner with the sign, you know, please help me. And they're, they're looking for food or, or money or whatever that you'll give them. And that's where it's evident. But where we don't see it is the individuals and families that behind closed doors and in their homes, they're struggling to make ends meet. Um, you never know. I mean, we have, we have community partners in almost every community imaginable and in communities that you would think that there's no hunger, like a Casanova or a skinny Atlas. Um, and you're thinking there's nobody there that needs food. There are, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. I mean, what we always say is it's somebody that, you know, you just don't know that they're struggling to make ends meet. Um, and exactly. You don't want it to be known. You're not broadcasting. Hi, I can't, you know, pay my bills this month. So I went right. to the food pantry to get food. Um, right. So I, I would venture to guess that, you know, people in your life now or knew people when you were growing up that needed to rely on the emergency food network to get by. Yeah. The, one of the crazy numbers was on the website was like one in eight people are food deficient. Like that is, that's pretty it's pretty wild to think because you think one in eight and how many people do I know? So that's at least got to be like 10 people that I know off the top of my head that are probably food insecure and you just never know. Probably, Yeah. And, and, you know, of those one in eight people, not all of those people go to a food pantry. There's so much, you know, there's kind of a stigma and a shame uh, uh, about it. But, you know, what I'd like to say is the food bank our emergency food partners, so those are the food pantries, the soup kitchens, emergency shelters, we're all here to help support families that are finding themselves having a hard time making ends meet. Um, And the outpouring of support that we get from the community, like you guys making your great donation of $4,000, you're 
you're giving us that money because you want to help those nameless, faceless neighbors that are struggling to make ends meet with access to nutritious food. And that's what you do. And that's what we provide. And that's what we strive to provide and continue to break down barriers so that there isn't a stigma and people will come and access that food that's going to help them live and thrive. Yeah. And that's, uh, you had said earlier, actually, one of the questions that I had written down was how many areas do you guys cover? One and two, are all of those areas in vast need? And you kind of answered that before, because I was thinking immediately off the top of my head was like, skinny Atlas. There's like, there's, everybody's got food over there. There's, you got $2 million homes over there, but that just shows you how ignorant I am of, of how food insecure people are. Yeah. So. Oh, I think I lost you. Oh, was that me or you? I don't know. It was, it was one of us, I think. Okay. Um, no, it's just the, I was just asking, um, how many areas do you guys cover? Yes. So we have a, a, a quite a vast area. It's about a quarter of New York state that we cover. So we have our one distribution facility, um, in the town of Van Buren here in Syracuse. Uh, it's 74,000 square feet where we have thousands of pounds of food, uh, at any time. And it's, uh, non-perishable food and perishable food. We have quite a large refrigerator and freezer, And then we have a fleet of 15 vehicles, and those vehicles are are all the way up to tractor-trailer size out on the road every single day, and they're delivering food in 11 counties. So we're in central New York, we're in the North Country and northern New York, and we're in the Mohawk Valley uh, providing food to more than 400 community partners. So those would be the food pantries, soup kitchens, emergency shelters, and then other programs that have a feeding component for low-income individuals. Right. So it's almost like you guys are the central hub and then you yes. disperse that food out to these food banks and stuff like that. Yes. So we always say we're kind of the distribution center behind mm-hmm. the scenes working to provide food to the pantries. You know, the pantries are, you know, the biggest number of programs that we have are pantries. Um, and those pantries are in so many communities, um, you know, and we have urban locations, you know, our big cities, our biggest city is Syracuse that we serve. You know, but we're also serving Utica and Cortland and Watertown. Um, and then we have suburban and we have very rural locations. Uh, when I started at the food bank 11 years ago and I started reading lists of where our pantries were, there were communities that I was like, I have no idea where that is. And if it didn't yeah. have the county that it was in next to it, I would have had no clue. Yeah, right, right. And where does it, this might kind of be an obvious question to a lot of people, but where does the food come from? Cause it's not just donations of food from individuals like, like ourselves, like are, is it businesses and corporations that are donating food? So we actually have three streams for food. Um, the first one actually is the United States government, the USDA food oh. commodities program. Okay. Um, so that is when the United States government is purchasing food from growers across the nation and they're having that food processed and then they get it to the food banking network. There's 200 food banks uh, across the United States that are connected together. We, we cover virtually every county in, in the United States. Um, and so those are the USDA food commodities. And then we do get donated food. So the donated food might come from, you know, a group or business that's doing a food drive. It may come from a food manufacturer, a food distributor, a local grower, and then um, one of our larger uh, food donation streams is through retail partners. So I always say to people, 
when you go to the grocery store and you're buying a bag salad, what do you do? You go through and you look at the dates, right? And those ones that are called close dated, um, the grocery stores, you know, no one buys those, right? We want that right. one that has the furthest date out. So Guilty. what the grocery, yeah, everyone's guilty of it, yeah. but that's okay because grocery stores pull those off the shelves. They box them up. We pick them up every day. And then what we do is we distribute those out into the community either later that day or the next day before they go bad. Because think about it. When we're talking about produce, we're talking about dairy, we're talking about meats. Those are the healthiest foods in the store because they're the least processed yet they're the most expensive foods in the store. So if I'm, I'm struggling to get by and I'm trying to stretch my food dollars, those are the foods that are out of reach for me. Right. So we want to, we want to, years ago, we called it grocery rescue. We want to rescue those groceries from the store and rescue them from the garbage and get them into the hands because they're still good food, get them into the hands that need it. Yeah. And that was one of the things too, that I was very impressed by was, how efficient you guys are at pulling the food. And also, you know, you guys have a whole system of like checking the dates, making sure they're expired. You have a giant cooler in the back. What does that process look like from say you pick up to Wegmans to shipping out to a soup, a soup kitchen? So there's, there's so many processes that have been going on and they're constantly being looked at and constantly being refined by our operations team. But I mean, it starts with the relationship with the retail partner. Um, so that is with our product donations manager. So it starts in our operations team. So it starts with him and we create that relationship and we tell them what are the types of food that we're looking for? Because we're not, we don't want breads and we don't want cakes and pastries. We want those really nutritionally dense foods. We want that produce. We want, you know, the low fat dairy. We want meats um, that we can get out for people. So it starts with that relationship and then it goes to transportation so they can kind of work that location into the schedule um, of where we're going. And then it goes to the driver. The driver picks up the food. Um, and it's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> it is. Then the food might come back to the food bank, which then it goes to possibly through volunteer a volunteer program, which the volunteers are going to sort through the food, box it up. Our warehouse drivers are then going to pick the boxes and get them on a truck, another truck most likely, to go back out to one of our community partners that was set up by our agency relations department. So there are several different people and several different departments that have their hands on just getting food from one store to one location. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. And like, you know, when I think of food bank or soup kitchen or like, you know, somebody at work comes to you and says, hey, we're doing a food drive bring your canned food in. I would imagine you guys have tons of canned goods. Is there stuff that you guys are really in need of that people just think that it's, oh, it's not canned food. I, sh I shouldn't be donating that. Like what kind of things do you need the most? So, well, I'm going to first start with the two things that we don't accept. So in 2004, we were the first food bank in the country to come up with a policy where we don't um, accept or distribute candy or soda. Since oh. there's no nutritional value, um, wow, so we, we do not want to um, have space taken up, whether in our warehouse or on our trucks, with something that isn't going to provide any nutrition for, for a person. We want to, that's why I keep on talking about fresh produce and lean meats yeah. and, and low fat dairy. Those are the things that we need to get. 
So when we're working with the public, the public, we can't accept perishable food donations from the public. Those can only be accepted through like approved supply chain. So from a retailer, yeah. from a manufacturer right. distributor. But when a, when a group wants to do a food drive or somebody wants to, to drop off food, it, it's funny because everyone's like, what's that one thing? And I'm like, yeah. it's everything that you're thinking. You know, for example, you know, in a couple of weeks, the kids are going to be off of school, right? So what do we need? We need cereal because the kids aren't accessing school meals. So they're not getting their free breakfast and lunch. So we need cereal. We need mac and cheese. We need peanut butter and jelly. We need child-friendly foods so those kids have access to nutritious foods when they're not getting that nutritious meal at school. Um, you know, we need a lot of families really, you know, because everybody's situation is different. Not everybody has access to a full kitchen, right? So if I'm cooking on a hot plate or if I'm cooking, you know, with one burner or in a microwave, my food choices and preferences might be very different than somebody that has access to a full kitchen. So like one pot meals are also, or like a canned stew, something that has mm. everything. It's got your vegetables. It's got your protein. It's got everything all in one can. Those are the types of things that we can get out to an individual or a family that really help. Um, Cause that's the other thing, I, you know, you don't think about it often, but it's like, not everybody has a four burner oven or a four burner stove with an oven mm. and, you know, an air fryer and a microwave and all the other kitchen gadgets that we all grow accustomed to, you know, right. they might just have a little hot plate that they're cooking with. So right. what, what can we get for them? Or they might be cooking in a microwave. Um, I never thought of that, to be honest. I never thought of that. <laughs> Most people don't. And, you know, right. and it, it's one of those things that we think about, you know, we think about things like when we're purchasing food, that was the other food stream that we never talked about. We purchase food too. Um, oh. And we purchase truckloads of food when we're purchasing them. But one of the things that we think about, you know, is can we, for a decent price, can we get food that have a pop top instead of needing a can opener? Because what if somebody doesn't have a can opener? How can they open that can of food? Yeah. Or can we, um, the other things that we're looking at is we're looking at nutritional value uh, and nutritional content of food. Like if we're buying, say, canned vegetables, we want to see if we can get vegetables that are have no salt added because nobody needs that extra sodium in their diet. Or yeah. if we're getting canned fruit, can we get fruit that's packed in its own juice and not in any sort of heavy syrups? Um, because it's just healthier. Um, so those are the types of things that we're thinking about um, so that we can continue to provide, we always say healthy, nutritious food, wholesome food out there. Right. And that, that was very surprised. I actually had saw that uh, online not too long ago where there was a food bank that had made like a post that said, Hey, if you're going to donate this holiday, don't forget to also do can openers too, because if it doesn't have a pop top, a lot of people can't open the can to, to cook, Right, you know, something I never, just things I just never think of until you're like, wow, thank God somebody educated me on, on something like that. So pop tops yeah, preferred. Nutritional over everything. Nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Yes, because, I mean, like going back to what we already talked about, when you're stretching your budget dollars, the foods that that often you can get the most of um, within your price range are heavily processed foods. So they have a lot of fat. They might have a lot of sodium, a lot of sugar. 
Um, so they're not the best, healthiest foods for you. So if we can get people to think about what are healthy foods, what are healthy foods that I can donate, that we can continue, that go along hand in hand, you know, with a pasta, instead of just regular white pasta, maybe we get whole wheat pasta, um, you know, because then it gives you that extra grains component um, or, you know, not just white rice. <laughs> is this shift in thinking like from recent years or has this always been a big focus of yours, like healthy over content, basically? We've had this focus for quite a while. Um, our executive director, who is the executive director between, it was like 1995 to 2013. Um, he really kind of had that foresight. He said, you know, we, yes, we need to continue to get food out there, but let's start focusing. He brought people in to be on the team that had that, um, that were registered dietitians that really started looking at that nutritional content so that we could start focusing on that and start saying, you know what, we don't want soda. We don't want candy. We don't want the bread um, as much as we want the produce. Right. But still, peanut butter and jelly for sure. Right. Like you yes. guys already have the outlet for the bread. Like, right. So yeah. we have, you know, the private label bakers that are, you know, the old fry, it used to be called fry hoppers. I feel like everyone in this community knows oh, fry yeah. hoppers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not really called fry hoppers anymore. It's called bimbo bakeries, but ah. you know, they do the, the private label, their breads and they do the English muffins and the bagels and you know, all those kind of private label things that you see at the grocery store um, at rolls, And um, they, you know, bake so much every single day. And sometimes it all gets taken by the retail outlets. And sometimes the retail outlets don't need as much. And when there's those leftover items, it gets donated to the food bank. So it comes to us. We box it up. We freeze it immediately so we can stop that aging process. Right. And then we get it out to our programs and our programs get it out so that, you know, it's not like there's only one day left on the bread. It's been frozen. So it has a little bit longer by the time you get it home and thaw it to make your sandwiches. Right. Right. And with stuff like that, it seems like time is of the essence. There has to be such a, a big focus on like a quick turnaround, especially on stuff like bread that has a very short uh, life span. Well, luckily with breads and meats, we can freeze them to kind of stop that aging yeah. process. But when we're talking about fresh produce and dairy items, we really have to be very cognizant about our inventory. Um, we, you know, our operations team is meeting almost daily to talk about what do we have uh, on hand? Um, is there anything that's, you know, going to be close dated for us? Um, is there anything that's not moving? Um, how can we get out? And as we project things out into the future, you know, can we can we accept it and distribute it before something goes bad? Within so these are that all time frame. within that time frame. Yeah. These are all questions um, and 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 that go through that thought process of us accepting food, purchasing food. You know, when we're purchasing fresh produce, we're only purchasing so much because we don't want any of it to go bad. I did a, a tour today actually uh, with a group and we went into our produce cooler. So we have a small section of the refrigerator that's specific to produce. So it's a little bit warmer than your refrigerator at home. 
And there wasn't much in there. There was probably about six or seven pallets of produce and there was lots of empty spaces. And they kind of looked at me and I said, listen, it's Thursday afternoon. We only have one more day of delivery this week. We don't want things to go bad. So at the beginning of the week, it's a little bit more full. By the end of the week, it's it's pretty much empty, except for maybe a couple hearty vegetables, like a, an onion, a squash, a potato, because we don't want things to go bad over the weekend when we're not open. We want, we want to get it out into the community, into the hands of people that can eat it. Right. And I will say when you took Mike Dennis and I on one of those tours, I was blown away at how awesome you guys are. Like, labels you have like the dates you even have like i felt like there was an estimated expiration date or like a time frame like this needs to go out seven days like i was very impressed with how thorough and very like meticulous that whole warehouse was in the back it was crazy yeah well you know what and but that's what we need to keep doing because we want to make sure that the food is coming in and the food is going out. We, you know, we don't want it to sit in our warehouse. We want to get it into the hands that need it. And uh, we do want to be cognizant of those expiration dates. So, and that's what I'm going back to what I had said before, you know, our operations team are, they're meeting on a regular basis to look at, you know, what do we have in inventory? Is there something that's not moving? What can we do to get it moving? Maybe it's a, a more obscure product that was donated to us. So how can we help? Can we provide um, recipes? So that's where our nutrition department comes in. Can the nutrition department come in with recipes? We've even had, we have a a trained chef on our staff. Our product donation manager is a trained chef. And he's even done videos um, that we've sent out to soup kitchens and other, he's done knife skills, but he's done, have you ever seen a Hubbard squash? No. I mean, they're like, I gotta gotta step back from the camera. I mean, they're (laughs) huge. They're like this big. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that if you've never seen it before, you're not going to, if it's at a pantry, you're going to be like, I'm not not touching that thing. I'm not taking that thing. But if (laughs) we're providing a video and we're providing it with recipes, it's hilarious. He was just like, the first time I ever saw it, it was like, because I'm not a squash person. (laughs) Yeah. But the first time I ever saw it, he was like, how do you think, you know, do you think he just you know, jam at this with a knife. And I'm like, I have yeah, no idea. Sure. So you know what he did? He took it and he put it in a garbage bag and he held it like up here and dropped it on the floor. Ah. And it split open and then you get the meat inside of it. But like, I would have never thought of that. Right. He's, so we do those types of things so that we can, you know, really get more things out of there. And we do get some obscure things sometimes. That was one um, of the questions actually that I had was like, do you have a chef on hand and like, how, do you guys help other kitchens prepare? Like, that's really cool that you guys help these soup kitchen because the soup kitchens from my knowledge, they're usually all volunteers, right? There's not anybody who's really paid that's working there. And if there is a paid person, it may only be one or two people. Um, but a lot of times it is. So it's not like we're preparing food for them, but we're helping to provide recipes when we can, especially when we get those kind of obscure hey here's a giant squash and we're gonna send you a couple videos on how you guys can prepare it and make a quick soup out of it exactly and and having those recipe but having those recipes um on a regular basis for people because you can make things um you know we can we can provide recipes that show you how to make something healthy and delicious 
um, with just what you a couple of your pantry staple items, you know, because, because again, if I'm struggling to make ends meet, most likely I don't have all the spices on hand. So yeah. how can I still make it very flavorful uh, and in a healthy way without frying it, um, you know, without adding a lot of salt um, when I don't have, you know, fresh nutmeg to put in my butternut squash soup. Right, right. Yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all these things that I don't think, I'm glad that you guys also do stuff like that because it's nice that you guys are like, hey, we got this crazy vegetable here's how you guys can prepare it and really take advantage of uh, making a meal out of it. And not only for them, but also for people at home. Is it like a YouTube channel or something that you have for those videos? We do have videos on our YouTube channel, the food banks, YouTube channel. And then there's some that really aren't published there that we've sent out to our program specifically, like, you know, that might be more say knife skills, um, you know, for a lot of those volunteers at the food at soup kitchens and such. Um, that we have that avenue as well. Um, but right on our YouTube channel, there's there's all sorts of videos, um, especially because during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, our nutrition educators on staff couldn't go out into the community. Typically, we're going right to a food pantry um, and providing that nutrition education and talking about my plate, talking about eating a rainbow of vegetables and, and everything and, you know, what are proper portion sizes and giving out those healthy recipes, we couldn't do that. So we 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 did those. We did Facebook live videos. We did pre-tape videos that we would then put on our on our face or on our Facebook page, but then also on our um, YouTube channel, so that people could access that too. And you would you had mentioned COVID. How had that affected how you guys did business when when that hit? Was were you guys? had less food for more families or did, did the community step up and you guys had more, like, what did it look like for you guys? Um, well, we, you know, we, we went into planning mode before everything shut down. We were meeting evenings. We were meeting weekends saying something's coming. We don't know what it is. How can we prepare for it? What do we have on hand? How can, how can we make this work? Um, and, you know, just like what you saw when you went to the grocery store and there was empty shelves, we were having orders that were being not fulfilled uh, with right. food coming in. But we knew we needed even more food to go out. So how can we pivot? So, you know, a lot of that we'll say was canned fruits and vegetables. So we can't get canned fruits and vegetables. Can we get frozen? fruits and vegetables right now. Cause it was, you know, March, April, we don't have a lot of fresh in upstate New York in March and April. So can we get frozen and we, can we get those frozen fruits and vegetables out there? And it was just small tweaks that we made to our inventory so that we could continue to have high levels of food because we really went from 1.4, you know, prior to the pandemic, we'll say February or January of 2020 you know, a, probably an average of about 1.4 million pounds to by June of 2020, we were just under 2.6 million pounds for the month. Wow. Um, luckily, that was our highest month ever in the history of the 36-year history of the food bank. Um, it has gone back down. We're now about averaging maybe 1.5 million here leading up to the holidays. I don't have November numbers yet, 
but I'm expecting an increase over 1.5. And that's in for November. the month, like how much food you, yeah. that's so much food. Oh my God. So last year, so last fiscal year, June 1st, 2020, no, excuse me, July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, we distributed 22 and a half million pounds of food. That was the highest we've ever been prior to the pandemic. We were at about 14, 15 million. So we went up to 22 million. Um, And it really was just, you know, those people that found themselves without a job so quickly because the economy shut down and maybe they had no savings, maybe they had small savings and then they went through it quickly. And where did they turn? And when you think about your budget, what's the first thing you can change in your budget? You can tweak food, food, right? You tweak food because, you know, to be healthy, you eat three meals a day, but you can say, I'm not going to have three meals today. I'm going to have one meal. No longer am I getting the steak anymore. I will downgrade to a can of tuna. Right. Or the three boxes of mac and cheese um, that you can get for a dollar or two. And, you know, again, nutritional value and content. Um, and you're making those really tough decisions, you know, saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a job, so I need to keep my car on the road. So I have to pay my insurance. Um, but I have to buy food too. So what do I do? And I want to make sure my kids are eating. So those are the such difficult decisions that people have to make, um, in their lives and, and things like Corey, you said you've never had, I've never had to. I have an eight-year-old son and I look at him and I'm like, I'm thinking about like, oh, what else can I get him for Santa? And going, he's so blessed. And I don't don't know what I would do if I ever had to make a decision of, can I feed my child today? Right. And that's why I think you guys are probably one of the biggest organizations because I think when it comes down to, you know, there is like, you know, the... Salvation Army does good things, clear path for veterans. They always do really good things, but it's like. And we work with both those organizations too. I don't know if you knew that. That's fantastic. Like those are great organizations and it always, but like food is such a staple. Like you, you cannot live without these programs. And when COVID hit the grocery stores, that was the first thing that I was going to ask you about because it was like, everything was wiped out. So I can only imagine that you guys were wiped out with people who are probably coming to you with saying, please, like, we need help. We need, we need more food. Right. They were. And then, you know, and then a couple months in, um, actually the New York state government and then the federal government came up with some, uh, two assistance programs that really made such a difference in what we were doing. The first one, um, the first one that came out was through New York state, uh, then governor Cuomo's office, they came up with a program called nourish New York. So what that was is there's 10 food banks in New York state. They gave a pot of money to each food bank and that money could be used solely for food that was grown and produced in New York state. I kind of like that. Or did that make your job harder? No, no, it didn't. Because we try to, when we're spending dollars, if we can spend locally, we try to spend locally as often as possible. So really, it just gave us additional dollars to spend locally. So we worked, um, you know, to have, it was a lot of produce. There were some meats involved with it. Um, But it really helped us provide all that food. And when you think about it, it also has that benefit of helping that local, a lot of times farmer, 
local farmer and then keeping all other people, local people employed at the farm, at the vegetable processing location, you know, like a Russo produce um, that we're purchasing food from. Um, and then, so that was kind of nourished New York. And actually it's, it was for a couple month time frame, and then it was extended, it was extended. So we're actually here in December, um, December 31st ends the fourth extension of the Nourish New York program. We're hoping that it becomes a permanent budget item in the future because it really does make sense. It's supporting the local economy. It's supporting local farmers while also feeding people that are hungry right in those communities. Right. Um, and then uh, the second program, which was through the federal government, it was very similar. It was called the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program or Food 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 oh my gosh food boxes for families there were so many different names we just all called it cfap um coronavirus okay, food assistance program but those so and that were prepackaged boxes of food and sometimes we had a huge amount of them coming into us sometimes we didn't have a huge amount it was kind of it fluctuated um but that that program actually ended in june of 2021 but while it came in, I mean, we received over 200,000 boxes of food through that program for wow. us to distribute. That was a lot of time. So that in the Nourish New York program, when you saw those huge distributions happening, whether they were at the New York State Fairgrounds or Mohawk Valley Community College in Utica or Jefferson Community College in, in Watertown and lots of ones, little ones all over the communities, but they were kind of bigger distributions a lot of times the food that was given out at those was either Nourish New York boxes or these CFAP, the Farmers to Families food box. That's what it was. Farmers to Family food Farmers box program. I feel like I've heard that before. Farmers to Families. Yes. Um, so that's kind of some of the things that really happened during, during COVID, the onset of COVID. You know, we saw so many new people. So many people were calling us that, that have never needed help before, and they didn't know where to turn. Um, and our staff was just, the food bank staff was just unbelievable. I mean, we, you guys are great. Them, everybody there is fantastic. I, <laughs> I, everybody is just a bunch of sweethearts there. Well, thank you. Um, but we, <laughs> uh, they, they were just, they were just amazing. Uh, all of them. Yeah. I mean, our warehouse and our drivers, I mean, our drivers, they were, they're in the front line. They were out in the community every single day when people were locked away in their homes so that we can make sure that food was available. I mean, the, just the entire team was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So has that changed any of the ways that you guys uh, package food, distribute food? Has that changed you guys for the better and made business smoother and more efficient? Yes. Well, we're always looking to make it more efficient and, and actually one of the biggest successes I think that has come out of it is our senior program. So in, in, in prior to this, you know, there's seniors out there that need food. They struggle to make mm -hmm. ends meet. They're on a fixed income. Um, but what happened, it actually grew out of a phone call that we received in those early days of the shutdown from Onondaga County and the County called um, and if you remember, you know, the daily press conferences that our county executive was having and there was, you know, if you need this, if you need that, these are the different numbers to call. And one of them was if you're a senior and, you know, if you're a senior citizen and you need assistance, please call this number. 
Well, a large number of seniors called and they were saying as rightfully, rightfully so, you know, I'm in the most vulnerable population. They still are. Seniors are when it comes to COVID. I'm, I'm in the most vulnerable population. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to leave my apartment wherever I live, but I don't have any food. So the county called us up and we, and said, how can we fix this? So it started with us getting food to the county. You know, they're kind of like operation center at that point was the on center. So we were getting boxes of food down to the county. And then there was a bunch of county workers that didn't have any specific role because really everything was shut down. So yeah. to keep those county workers employed, they were using county workers to do door-to-door deliveries for these senior citizens. Kind of like so, Meals on Wheels, right? Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably might know this, but I think Meals on Wheels stopped during this time. I think they even shut down. I could be wrong on that. I'm not positive on that. But this is for, these are for, you know, they were more, you know, people that maybe weren't homebound before COVID, but were homebound then. Yeah. So prior to COVID, if a senior called and they needed food, you know, they would just get referred to their local pantry. So as it, as the months went on and we just said, you know, this is, this is an ongoing issue. We can be doing this. So we started creating relationships, you know, call, finding low income senior housing, you know, complexes, high rises or, you know, apartment complexes that cater to low income seniors. And we made relationships and it started here in Nomdog County. We made relationships with um, the property management companies and said, Hey, we want to help your residents. We want to make sure that they have access to nutritious food. If we bring food to you, will you help us and distribute it to the seniors living in your, in your facilities? And it grew and we're now providing that food in six of our counties and dozens of of locations where senior citizens live. And we received some grant funding and we're going to bring this within the next probably year to all 11 of our counties it really has grown. It's an amazing program. I have a special place in my heart for, for senior citizens. And I'm just so proud of us that, but this is one of the good things that actually came out of the pandemic. We said, we should, we should be doing this. Let's do it. And we did it. Yeah. That's, I love seeing that because I think your business and a lot of other businesses really had to elevate themselves when it came to COVID from, shutting down to, you know, some couldn't shut down. So how do we work around this? How do we change our business plan to kind of be more like a putty, right? Be more like applicable and fluid. And I think there are some good things that came out of it. And that, that is a powerful thing. Uh, The senior program, you guys have never had like a senior program like that before, right? No, we didn't. I mean, there were seniors that were in need and, we would refer them to their local pantry, just like a family. Right. And, you know, we would do the normal, you know, through our SNAP outreach team, you know, we would ask the questions, you know, what, you know, about income and things like that and see if they're eligible and help them access SNAP benefits if they were eligible. But um, there wasn't that direct door-to-door distribution that happens now and is grown. And it, it really, it's, it's great because when you think about seniors on fixed incomes and a lot of them might have health issues and, they make a decision to purchase their medication over food, but medication can only get you so far. 
you need healthy, nutritious food to, to keep going as well. It's two evils right there. It's like, do I get my heart medication or do I get my food? It's like, if I don't have food, yeah. I'll die in a certain amount. If I don't have my heart medication, I could have a heart attack. Like it's, yeah. it's just two evils right there. Now you had yeah. mentioned um, SNAP programs and SNAP is a totally separate program from what you guys are. SNAP is, uh, I guess, I feel like you could probably explain what SNAP is better than I could. So SNAP is a federal program and, and it um, stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Many people refer to it um, as food stamps. It's the old food stamps program and it's now yeah. called SNAP. So we have um, outreach workers on our team that actually provide SNAP assistance because, you know, maybe there's, it's your first time falling on hard times and you don't know the, you don't know where to look. You don't know what's available to you. You don't know how to apply. So you can call the food bank and we can help you do like a pre-screening process, get some information about you, find out if you're eligible to receive SNAP benefits. And if you are, we will go through the entire process with you so that we can make sure that on the first time the application is filled out correctly and submitted so that you can get those SNAP benefits to help you, you know, eat healthy, nutritious food and have those dollars to spend at your local grocery store. Um, we think SNAP is really important. We actually, just a couple months ago, added a new SNAP outreach worker. We had found out that in Jefferson County, um, the agency that held the grant for Jefferson County um, had opted not to renew the grant and they weren't going to provide SNAP outreach in Jefferson County anymore. And we found this out and we said, we think it's really important. So we actually hired somebody who has an office in Watertown um, that provides SNAP outreach, but they're a food bank staff worker. Wow. That's, I can't believe a County would want to get rid of a a program like that. It seems like it's super important. It wasn't the county. It was the agency that was providing the service. And they just, right. they made the, a diff, I mean, it wasn't an easy decision, but they made the difficult decision yeah. that, you know, they couldn't continue on with that for whatever reason. And we said, you know what, we want, we want it. We think it's important. There's a, a high rate of food insecurity in that in community. And we know that by having a SNAP outreach worker in that community, it will make a difference in people's lives. So we decided we were going to fund it. Right. I think that's important. I think that's important. You, uh, earlier you had mentioned, um, working with other like nonprofits, do you work with a lot of them or are you kind of selective in that process who you work with? So all of our community partners, you know, so there's 400 of them. They're all many, right? (laughs) They're all non, they're all nonprofits. I mean, they're all 501 C threes that we work with or a school. Um, you know, because we have many schools that have a school pantry, um, you know, because we, we want them. So you were saying Salvation Army. So not only do we work with the Salvation Army that's here in Syracuse, but there's a Salvation Army in, I can't even count how many places, Messina, Watertown, Governor, Fulton, Oswego, um, Auburn. I'm trying to go east. Anida and Utica, um, Shenango, Cortland. They're all little individual Salvation Armies, but we work with all of them. Um, Clear Path for Veterans, we work for them. There's a second um, veterans-focused organization called Feed Our Vets. They're out of the Utica area, and they do distributions in Utica and Watertown. We work with them. Um, Here in 
you know, Onondaga County, some of the, the big names that you know of besides Salvation Army, like a Samaritan Center, a rescue mission, St. Lucie's Food Pantry, Assumption Church. There are, we work with all of those programs. All of them get food from the food bank. They might not get all their food from the food bank, but they get some of it. When you guys work with a school, you had mentioned like a school pantry. Is that like, I remember going to school and there was people who would get free lunches, right? Is that a part of the program? Is like, that's what you guys are providing or is it you're just providing the school with the food, with the nutrition? So the school lunch program is completely separate from what we do. Um, Uh, beyond the school lunch program. That's a federally, um, federal and state program, the school lunch program. So what we're doing is we're working with some schools that they say, you know what, we know there's a lot of food insecurity in our kids with their families and we want to do more. So they've actually dedicated space within the school building and have a pantry right at the school for school children and their families to access healthy, nutritious food at the school to bring home for them. So it's mm-hmm. not food that they're eating at the school. It's food they're bringing home with them. Okay. See, I didn't even realize that was something. Like I just remembered yeah. in school, people would have a, a free lunch or they would have like a, a reduced like a price payment. Yeah. Or reduced yeah. price. There you go. Uh, yep. And that's and still a very price. large thriving program is the free and reduced price school uh, breakfast and lunch program. But this is in addition to that. Mm-hmm. This is totally something separate. Completely separate. Completely separate. It's really designed to look at, you know, because those children know that they're going to get breakfast and lunch at school. So, but a lot of times they don't know where dinner's coming from or they don't know where the yeah. meals are coming from on the weekend. So that's what a school pantry does is they're giving that food for the child to bring home so that that child knows they're going to have dinner or then knows that they're going to be able to eat that weekend. Separate from the school program, do you guys do like your own like kids programs? We do. Um, We have a couple different child nutrition initiatives. So one of them is our kids cafe and that's um, strictly here in Syracuse. We work with um, boys and girls clubs and after um, city of Syracuse after school programs that are through the parks and rec department and at those programs, we provide a nutritionally balanced hot dinner for the kids um, right at that program. And then in the summer, we look at where schools are not opening to provide meals in the summer for children and say, can we come in and partner with an organization um, or with a group that is providing some sort of summer programming um, and provide meals for the kids because they're catering to a low income population. And then our newest initiative that started um, about a, mo- a little bit more than a month ago was with the Syracuse City School District. They had contacted us and um, they used to do a program, a national program called Blessings in a Backpack, where they would put you know, snacks and stuff in a kid's backpack on a Friday for them to bring home for the weekend. And they called uh-huh. us and they said, they said, listen, we're not, we don't have... We, we can't do the blessings in a backpack at the level that we used to before. Can you help us? So we really kind of figured things out of what we can do. So once a week on Friday, anywhere from 750 to a thousand children in the Syracuse city school district, get a little bag that's been packed at the food bank in their backpack. So it's not a huge box that they have to carry like a six year old has to carry home. 
but it's a little bag and it might have peanut butter and jelly. It might have, you know, a couple things of fruit, say canned fruit, um, and a box of cereal. So that child has food that weekend and a loaf of bread, you know, or it might have some canned protein items. And, you know, so we vary it up week to week. So it's not the child's not getting the same food every single week, but they're child friendly foods, easy to prepare. And those kids know that when they're not in school, they're going to have this food for the weekend for themselves and most likely for the people that also live in their home. Gotcha. Wow. What a, what an awesome program. I didn't even know something like that existed. That's pretty cool. Um, so what are, what would be three things that people could donate that you guys are in the most need of, or maybe you guys don't get a lot of. So I can say we never have enough cereal, you know, um, because there are so many and and cereal is an easy thing. You don't have to cook it. Um, you know, for somebody that doesn't have access to a kitchen, Um, And then it's something that a child can have uh, for breakfast. So cereal is a great thing. Um, I would say maybe some peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. And then canned protein items, you know, whether it's a canned tuna or a canned chicken or even like a, a hearty stew that, you know, that has that protein component in it um, because it's all in one can. And it, it makes it easy for the person that's preparing it and eating it. And I would be remiss if I didn't say cash donations. Right, right, obvi- right. Cash. Obviously, that that goes very well. And it's just like it's always this is about the time of year I feel like uh, a lot of companies do like their food drives, like the hey, bring in your canned yes. goods, drop them off at the front door, and we'll bring it over to the food bank. I feel like that's yes. usually the time of we're, year. We're so fortunate that so many people think of us um, now. Um, and throughout the year, I mean, because really what we're doing, that 22 million pounds of food that we got out last year, we wouldn't be able to do it without community partners. And it's not just the community partners that are helping distribute the food. It's people that are writing checks. It's people that are collecting food and dropping it off. And it's people that are giving their time to volunteer to pack food in our warehouse. Without all of those pieces and moving components, we wouldn't be able to get out that much food. We wouldn't be able to put out you know, 1.5 million pounds of food per month. We wow, need everybody in crazy the community. Number. <laughs> that's really hard to imagine that much food in one area. It is. I have such it's, a hard, hard time visualizing. <laughs> it is hard to visualize, but if you come, as you know, if you come to the food bank, it's a little easier to see. Yeah, and I I would say uh, before I, I put you in a bad position, you guys do give tours, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, we don't, we don't encourage people to just stop by um, and yes. drop in for a tour. Bring but something I... in hand, but for sure <laughs> tour the facility because it was amazing and jaw dropping just to walk around that place. We just, we just, I mean, honestly, I will give as long as it's, a, I have time on my schedule, I'll give a tour at any time. I just have people call. I just say, call in advance. We'll schedule a tour. Whenever you want to schedule it, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of dates and times that work for you. I'm going to compare it to my calendar and we're going to find something that works so you can come see the food bank. Yeah, that's, and I think, uh, I think for me, that was a very important moment because that's when we had left, I told Mike and Dennis, I was like, this has got to be a thing. Like we, we just have to do this every year now because it's like, you see something like that and you see the impact that you guys are having in the community and it's like, 
there's like no better way to make a a bigger difference in the community. There is a lot of different ways you can do it. Trust me, you can donate to all these different awesome organizations, but mm-hmm. but food is such the staple item and the the systems you guys have in place and how you run that warehouse is amazing. It's wonderful to see and when you see it in person, for me it really clicked in my head that I was like, wow, this is something very important that it's very it's out of sight, out of mind for me. Right. Out of sight, right. out of mind. Like I'd never, it's nothing that I ever, I ever think of. And there's so many people who rely on these awesome programs. So well, I'll ask one I more mean, question, Lynn. Sure, sure. Why, why are you, why did you get involved with the food bank? Um, so when I took the position 11 years ago, it was it career wise it was a growth opportunity for me. I, and, but I was very excited when I found out about the position because I, at the food bank of central New York had such a great reputation reputation and food is really, it's a, it's a staple. It's a, it's a right. It's a basic need. And everybody in the richest country in the world should have access to food. And I saw myself being part of that. And I saw myself and I said, I can do this and I can be part of it. And, you know, so that was 11 years ago. My son is now eight. And I'm so glad that he can be part of that journey and learn about this every single day. And, And it really is making him a more empathetic and compassionate person. And I'm just so grateful and so thankful, um, that I have this opportunity, um, to work at the food bank and, and to really help make a difference in somebody's life. And that's exactly what you guys are doing there. Like this is uh, a big, big impact on a lot of people's lives because it's food is food. Everybody needs food. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what skin color you are, what religion you are. Everybody needs food. Everyone. Right. And, and they, people need access to it and, and, they need healthy food and nutritious food. And that's what the food bank is providing every day. And it, it's just, it's wonderful. No matter what I did that day at the office, I know that my actions helped feed somebody that maybe helped make somebody live and right. survive. Right. Wow. Lynn, you are a wonderful human. You're doing really great things over there. And I, and I thank you for the opportunity to take an entire hour out of your night to talk to me about this. I feel like I learned a lot and I appreciate you very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. I, I loved it. And, and you guys are wonderful for continuing to support our work. I, I'm excited for future partnerships and I can't thank you enough for what you've done already. It's a, it's a no brainer. Like we got to do, we got to do the stream every year for you guys. And it's just now that we hit 4,000 now, all, all three of us, there's a, a very small part of us that's panicking because we're like, where do we go from here? How do we do better than, how do we do better than last year or the past year? How are we going to raise it? You know what I mean? Like we did when we were at that point last year, Mike had come up with the idea of like auctioning off seats to actually play with us in person at three lives. And that helped us get pushed over. So now we're going to have to do that and in some more. So I don't, (laughs) I don't know what's in tune for next year, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, what I'll say is whether it's 4,000 or $4, you're making a difference in somebody's life and we appreciate it. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Lynn. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing from the text messages to social media posts. It's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.